Chuck and Julie, bringing you the truth straight up. I'm Julie Hagan. An Emmy-winning former investigative reporter, a highly successful trial attorney, and publisher of a major Denver-area newspaper. They've been partners as talk show hosts and in marriage as parents for over 10 years, providing thought-provoking information, opinion, and entertainment live, local, and interactive. Everyone's voice is always welcome on The Chuck and Julie Show. All right, it's the Chuck and Julie show. I'm here at World Headquarters for the Bundesliga <laughs> Chronicle. Julie's at our Westminster mega location. Uh, <laughs> Holding down the fort here. That's right. The uh, the Truth Straight Up, the show brought to you by Denver Cynogenics and Dr. Julie McCallan. Actually, Chuck has an appointment with her tomorrow, um, and that's always great news. And then also America's um, CitizenPress.com. Now, the reason, hey, Chuck, before we get in, lots to talk about. Um, I was, and Neil was asking, what are we going to talk about? And I'm like, Chuck's going to rant about rhinos. Um, we're going to talk about GOP registration, the max mask mandate been thrown out by a Trump judge, thank God. But you're at the World Headquarters because the Glendale Cherry Creek Chronicle comes out this week. Um, we're going to have your new columnist on the show Wednesday. Do you want to talk about that at all? Or, Well, you know, uh, uh, this would be better after a response, but I, I want to go with the um, overwhelming, not overwhelming, all, virtually 100% of the reaction to the Republican Assembly where they elected grassroots candidates by and large, uh, and, and the amazing establishment, utter uh, unity no response can... saying we're yeah. all Republicans. We're all in this together. We don't need a circular firing squad. So even though our candidates didn't win, we, the rhinos will support you, the grassroots. It's yeah. amazing. It's no. amazing, but it's, it's, so we'll go, you know, it's, it's, uh, uh, Ash in Colorado. She writes from a grassroots perspective, um, and that'll be just so, such a welcome relief after all the garbage uh, that's gone out there. And maybe we can go into some of that now, and then we'll go into party registration. Well, let me. Later. Okay, yeah. However you want to. Chuck, Chuck and I. He's busy working on the paper, so you guys are watching us produce the show live on mm-hmm. the air. <laughs> um, I mean, so by and large, the grassroots candidates were victorious, although they'll be facing establishment people who either petitioned on, or in one case, Heidi Ganahl, um, she got on the ballot along with Greg Lopez, so he got top line. And uh, Mike, Mike O'Donnell got on with um, with uh, Tina Peters as well. So but he's not an establishment guy. No. Uh-uh. And the other one is, of course, the Democrat Zuckerbuck's babe, um, Pam Anderson. Um, but, you know, let's go to the Denver Post. And it, I suppose it's expected, but, you know, they have Dick Wadhams claiming this will be the end of the Republican Party. If you actually decide to nominate for the final nomination, grassroots candidate, you're not allowed to do that. No. You have to do these bland, Dick, yeah. Rhino establishment stamp of approval candidates who, yeah. and that's maybe just for folks in case they've forgotten, let's go over. So the rhinos in the establishment have been controlling the Republican party in Colorado forever uh, because yeah. they squash and they trample and they trash the grassroots. And let's go over there. There are many victories. One, their last victory would be Bill Owens. 
right? I mean, there are people voting now who weren't even alive the last time that the Republicans had a person in the governor's office. And let's say in the most recent election, how about the overwhelming red wave? Oh, wait, no, we didn't win anything. We didn't win dog catcher in Fremont County, right? Well, and and maybe we'll go to this registration thing, which tells you the health of a political party. Back in 2001, Republicans were rapidly gaining registration over Democrats and looked like Colorado is turning into a red state. And they did, then they did their beautiful blueprint Colorado and the establishment had no answer to it. Um, but it just came out on uh, poll insights, uh, the registration since the last election. Uh, in Florida, quarter million more Republicans over Democrats, not just a quarter million, but a quarter more million more Republicans over Democrats. Um, North Carolina, huge Republican. 93, I, I wrote it down. So yeah, go. Pennsylvania, okay. 100. It's GOP up 120,000. Yeah. North Carolina, GOP up 93,000. Iowa, the GOP up 56,000. Nevada, the GOP up 24,000. Which is huge. In uh, California, a different story. California, the Dems are up um 193,000, right? And, and in Colorado. And the, the next biggest STEM increase is in Colorado, where it's 12 or 14, I forget. 12,786. So, so that tells you that notwithstanding the fact that since uh, the election, which has been disastrous for Democrats, as demonstrated in other states, Colorado continues to, to just hemorrhage. And you kind of go, why? I mean, why is Iowa which is, you know, in some parts, not a whole lot different than Colorado, um, Nevada. Um, why is Colorado so awful? So awful. And, and here's my theory. Okay. Here's my, my theory. Um, you basically have, in Phil Anschutz, the biggest contributor to the Republican Party. He controls so many different things from Colorado Springs Gazette, Colorado Politics, uh, Denver Gazette. Uh, Campfire, Colorado, Colorado Peak Politics. Um, well, caucus, he's involved in Caucus Room, Independence Institute, Complete Colorado. So, so there's he's an oversized influence, but he he you know it's in the background, so you never see him. Um, he is very much anti-Trump. So, what animates the Republican Party throughout the country is Trump. It's not it is not George W. Bush. It is, it is it's Mitt Romney, Chuck. Mitt Romney and, and the yeah. rest. So how can you have a party whose funder is pulling all these strings all the time, um, who hates Trump, when in fact Trump is the animating force in Colorado? When I spoke before the Colorado, uh, the Greeley Republican women, I, you know, I asked how many people saw themselves as MAGA supporters. And you know, 99% of them were mega supporters. So you're going to get the entire complex of, of Anschutz people um, who don't like Trump. And that's the only game in town. Because the other game in town is just Mitch McConnell. 
Well, and let me, because let me kind of jump in there too, because I think I want to emphasize, so it's not just Trump the man, it's Trump and the Make America Great policies that are driving things. And Trump is the face of that, I think, and it's arguable that Trump understands better than anybody else the economics of it. And I know from years, a couple years ago, when we were doing all the work with the A-man, George Anthonosopoulos, he was talking about trying to get Fund, I mean, donors outside of Phil Anschutz involved in some of the candidates and the issues there. And basically, and I'll try to get him back on. He said the other donors basically follow Anschutz because they know his money and the money he brings in is going to outweigh anything they can do. So there's no, no point in it, right? So I think it's fair to say that he has an even greater influence than just his direct dollars, right? So the party cannot be pro-Trump. It's got to go to, you know, Christy Burton Brown, our eight, you know, contract or whatever she called Colorado, uh, you know, which meant nothing. You know, they said absolutely nothing. Um, right. And if you have nothing to offer, people aren't going to follow along. And so it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's pathetic. And, you know, Vince Bizdick uh, is the editor in chief of, of the, Carl Springs Gazette, and he's the editor of the Gazette, but apparently he's got more time on his hands. So he wrote a column saying, you know, these idiots down in Colorado Springs, which was quite frankly at a Anschutz uh, thing. <laughs> yeah, we had to pay him. You should, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had to pay him. Um, and, and he said, oh, what about, you know, great Republicans I know, like Bob Gardner. Oh yeah, we love Bob. Yeah, he, he's a real beauty. And Bill Owens, who who actually just he, he's just a guy who wants to make a buck. Right, he's a consultant he's a lobbyist. Yeah, he's yeah. You can have, um, and and so that's you know those are for for the uh, whoever is a ruling class in Colorado. You know they love the, they love Democrats and and Republicans who want to do nothing other than lie in their own pockets um, because that's basically offer no opinions. I mean, right. Owens basically in his second term attacked Tabor. Why? Because the Democrats want to attack Tabor. So he joined with the quote unquote moderate Republicans and Democrats and went after Tabor. So you really got to, you know, you, 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 it's, it's a, it's a party without a real lead. Well, and here, this is from Sandra. Let me read a couple of comments, a bunch of comments from Sandra. Sandra, I stopped listening to Brockler, Tubbs, Sennenberger at KNUS 710. We need to unite behind whoever is going to represent the GOP. The problem with the Colorado GOP is they don't represent the people when they go to D.C. Trump showed that he does. Hence, we the people have had enough of the GOP establishment promises turning into nothing. And then she notes that Owens was also backed by the Brownstein law firm, um, all of which are are true. And, And I think you're right. I mean, when you look at it, so you're going to have people like Dick Wadhams and George Brockler and, and all of these um, people who are like uh, up in arms and, you know, pulling out their hair over the grassroots, taking over, saying people in Colorado don't like Trump. Well, that's just not true. OK, I mean, I, I, I can't believe that in Florida, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Iowa, Nevada, all of these battleground states, people love the new Republican Party. And for some reason in Colorado, the water is different here. So Republicans just dis, maybe I don't maybe it's the pot or something. I don't know. But just the Republicans dislike it. It's like, no, what the Republicans in Colorado dislike is the establishment that runs the Colorado Republican Party. That's what I think. Well, uh, you know, the, the um, Jason Saltzman and and uh, the people, the successor to Media Matters in Colorado, uh, 
And that's a Democrat operative yeah, blog he, site. He does Colorado Polls, Colorado Times Reporter, some of the other ones. Um, they will allow to exist a moderate Republican. Uh, they will not allow to exist a grassroots Republican. I mean, we were targeted and, yep. and with, with all their force and might for an afternoon show. We were on one and they put every, they, they spent tens of, of thousands and more to, to, to get us off the air. And of course, 710 is you know, gutless and they quickly um, went down. Uh, but they'll get Randy Corcoran off. He's a grassroots guy. They filed a, that Dominion filed a lawsuit against him and 710 KNUS. And I think that's largely to get rid of Randy. Right. Um, and then, but they all allow, I mean, let's friend, let's face it, our friend Peter turned back to the left in order to survive because Jason Salzman would have gone after him and was going after him right. until he became useful to them. And so then he, he came, became a country club Republican but really, he was always attacking Republicans. I mean, his show was just endless attacks on Republicans while pretending to be pro-Republican. Um, and so it, it, it just, you know, Jimmy Sengberg is paid by Phil Anschutz. Um, he wrote an article saying, you know, gee, these wonderful, the ones that could have won uh, were the ones that could not not want them get 30%, including uh, Bremer, including um, Deborah Flora, including... Um, the other one. And so it's, it's, it's just, you know, I just listened to Manny Connell a little bit. I haven't listened for a while. And she was ripping into Greg Lopez and everything else. Well, and, and, and here's, here's the thing. Um, so, so I guess, and what you're, what you want to, what you're trying to say too, is as always, you want to follow the money. And there are reasons beyond ideology that some of the um, people in who in power in the Colorado Republican Party, I mean, ideology has nothing to do with it. Maybe not nothing, but not that much to do with it. There is no power, ideology. Yeah, power, power has everything to do with it. Well, I'm not and, sure it's even power. I'm not sure what it is. It's just- well, it's being relevant, right? Being relevant and not being attacked. But again, I submit when you look at the rest of the country and, and everybody there, um, the, they support the MAGA agenda, right? Um, and yeah, well, you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, quite frankly, if Trump veers veer away from the Trump agenda, he loses his support. I mean, he's supporting right. Oz in Pennsylvania, and I have a feeling the McCormick guy may win because he'll just right. go out. You know, I'm not going to pay attention if you just give us, you know, the Right. Oh, no, exactly. I mean, and, you know, you don't want to fall victim to the psyop going on by the Dems who try to make everything about Trump because they don't like to talk about that. It's Trump's policies that people respond to because their policies are so awful. Right. So they need to make it about a personality that they can attack and they and they do. And so that's what the the Democrats try to do here. The, and the, even the rhinos. I mean, we had the show on Friday where we had Mike O'Donnell, Stephen Pastor talking about questions about voter rolls, questions about ballot stuffing, which is illegal. And yet you're not allowed to talk about that. No one says they just keep calling them election deniers. It's like, well, that's that's not a deny. It's fact. It's a fact. Right. You can go look at the voter rolls and you can see some of those uh, issues. And when everybody whenever anyone tells you, um, you know, quit looking back, look forward to 2024, 2024 will be the same as 2020 unless you figure out exactly everything they did. 
Right. Well, and here's and exactly. And I think that's why I, I, to talk about the positive on these numbers. I mean, Florida Republicans, you know, for almost a quarter million people, right? Almost not even a quarter million, almost a half million people, 454,000 more Republicans registered um, in Pennsylvania, 126,000 more Republicans registered since the last time. I mean, that's, Democrats. Is that, then, it's, it's, it's a quarter right. million more than Democrats. Right. And and that's what it's. And I mean, that's all up since the last time. And so you look at what's going on in Colorado and, you know, the the establishment folks and the rhinos would have us believe that they that we're the outliers. Right. But that's not the case. We clearly are in step with the Republicans around the country. It's the establishment here that is out of step. And I would argue that has resulted to a certain degree and the Democrats increasing 12,000. Yeah. I mean, you know, and because people, and I, number one, Colorado, when you saw the last census, particularly Denver, had a net, people were leaving Denver, right? Denver was losing people. So it's year. not like we have all this influx of people coming in. There is something going on politically here. And I think this is what I kind of think, too, if you're the grassroots. Again, I go back to the establishment's track record. It's abysmal. I mean, it's it's worth. I mean, if you were if you were a football coach and you hadn't won a game since Bill Owens, you know, you probably wouldn't be the football coach anymore. And we keep kind of churning up the same people because they squash the rest of us. And then look what happens. It's ju- it's no different than Twitter, the uh, Colorado politics, the Denver Post, um, you know, all of these people who are criticizing the grassroots. It's like, they're the ones who tell us, oh, don't have a circular firing squad. Oh, you have to unify behind the candidate. And then when it's a candidate that they don't support, all of a sudden the Republican Party is lost. Well, I like Dick Widens, but Dick, the Republican Party was lost. What we did on Saturday, last Saturday, is the best hope we have of having it get found. I mean, does he really think I was and I'm sorry, I'm a ranter now, Chuck, but looking looking at the numbers. OK, so for Senate, right? Joe O'Day has $1.45 million in the bank, a half of it, more than a half of it, he contributed himself. Ron Hanks has $58,000. I'm sure the rest of it, you know, who who would give to Joe O'Day? Because no one knows. No one knows what he is. Okay, so Michael Bennett is sitting there with $6 million. And you know that they're going to pour whatever they can into it. So the Democrats have a massive advantage going in. And to try to turn around and say that Ron Hanks... I mean, if we just didn't have Ron Hanks on the ballot, that we could knock off Michael Bennett, that's just ridiculous. And they're only saying stuff like that to slam the grassroots and to slam the grassroots candidates. Where's well, the unity? Assuming, assuming that that all the money and the 100% of the media goes for Heidi Ganahl, it goes for Joe Day, it goes for Pam Anderson and so forth, you're going to get uh, Dick Wadham saying, unity, unity, we must all unify behind me. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I mean, are they going to unify? Let's say that Ron Hanks, and I think it's a distinct possibility, could beat Joe O'Day in the primary, um, simply because, I mean, nobody, who is Joe O'Day and what is he? I think I took a donut of his from his campaign, though, so maybe I'm compromised um, at the <laughs> assembly. But anyway, uh, you know, so are they going to unify then? Because they tell us, well, hey, you know, it'd be better to have, you know, a rhino in there than, than a Democrat, right? And I wonder if that's going to be there, too. And I wonder if they're going to turn around and say, well, hey, Ron Hanks is better than Michael Bennett. So we're all going to go vote for Ron Hanks. No, they're not going to say that. And they're going to try to attack it. So a silly little grassroots people don't think we can ever nominate a grassroots candidate again. Well, here, here's the encouraging thing. I, I mean, I, I, I think that, that 
with no money and no media support, um, the grassroots for the big position, Secretary of State, uh, Senate, uh, Governor, um, the odds are against the grassroots being able to pull off getting to the, the general election. But where it's not against their odds, um, I, I think Lori Sane in the 8th District, and I think, you know, Doug Lomborn is having a lot of problems. Dave Williams. problems. He, he couldn't show his face. At the uh, assembly? Springs. Um, and so you've got a real, um, you've got a real chance uh, that, that you could have grassroots people in the 8th, uh, in the... Uh, Lauren Boebert. And, or even the 4th, because I'm not sure... Um, that and Buck uh, isn't winning Mr. Yeah, Popularity I mean, contest that, right know, now. For him to to do so poorly at the assembly, um, and it's a very much a Republican district, so you could have you know Lauren Boebert, Laurie Sane, Dave, Dave Williams, Williams, and in if Congress. You could have that if you can yeah. have that combination, and they didn't sell out. Um, you you could really have. You know, well, those guys won't sell out. Those are, I mean, that's why, I mean, one of the reasons I support them is I, you don't, those guys won't sell out. Well, and I think, you know, again, it's just I, the Republican Party, rather than blaming everything on Trump, okay, needs to take a deep look at itself and it needs to ask itself, well, why do you have grassroots? And, and honestly, right, and take a look at why do we have this, these grassroots people nominating these candidates? Why do we have this grassroots um, support for the Make America Great philosophy and policies. And so why are we against it? I think they need to take a look at themselves and say, why can't we raise any money? Um, they need to take a look at themselves and say, why haven't we run a race, you know, a statewide race in, in ages? Um, and why, uh, what, what's going on with the registration, right? Why are the Democrats gaining in registration? What are our policies and procedures there? And they're not going to do that because they're kind of like, I think, Mitch McConnell's. They'd rather lose and be able to trash anyone who disagrees with them and still go to the little cocktail parties and have the media people call and say, oh, we'd love to talk to you. They'd rather do that, I think, than actually win anymore. Well, they don't win, so they don't have to worry. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, they don't get to go to the cocktail parties. and But just, just go to Colorado pol- politics. Just go to Colorado peak politics. Go to Campfire, Colorado. Go to caucus rooms. And just watch the, 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 the really the philosophical rot that's at the center of, of the, the moderate wing of the Republican Party. They've got nobody... Um, who is who is excites anybody, and they don't stand for anything. I mean, Heidi Gunnall stands for nothing. She's a pleasant person. Uh, that's not going to be enough. But it's it's just it's just strange, and it's strange because you know we came from the radio world, and and you got Rasputin. He hates. He's sending money to a day. Mandy Connell, who I like, but she used to. Oh no, how can we have somebody who who uh, would pardon Tina Peters and and and, and again I'm just going to go all got, of that is George is, Brockler, whose favorite political commentator is Chris Wallace. So well, and the Tina Peters right, and actually maybe let's segue into that a little bit too because this is my ongoing effort to educate people because they just the the Democrats and the left and the social media tech 
uh, you know, dictators do what they always do. And they just take something they don't like and they put a little label on it. And anytime you say anything, it's like, nye, nye, nye. you know, they ban you, they trash you, they try to destroy you. They try to shame you. They say you can't talk about it. And all of those articles, when they say Ron Hanks is an election denier, they never actually talk about, well, what is it he, that he's denying and what's wrong about that, right? I mean, that would be a responsible journalistic way to get into it, right? To say, here's what he claims, because, and then they say it's debunked. So, you know, we had Michael Donnell on, on Friday talking about some of the bizarre, uh, and go to his website, Mike O'Donnell, I think it's .us, um, or f- for Colorado. And you just if you Google Mike O'Donnell, Colorado Secretary of State, you'll find it. Um, and he talks about vote, all of the vote for Mike if you were going to vote for Pam Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> but but I mean, he goes through a lot of the irregularities and the inaccurate voter rolls. There's a reason that Jenna Griswold doesn't want the voter rolls cleaned up. There's a reason that right now, as we speak at the state capitol, there's a huge hearing going on that essentially gives Jenna Griswold, the secretary of state, complete control over local elections, even to the point of not even wanting to allow people to raise questions about it. Um, there's a, a, all kinds of issues. We had Stephen Pastor Grant talking about literally watching people. It's illegal in Colorado to have more than one ballot to drop it in the drop box or yours and one other yeah. person, 10, 10. And this person is dropping two boxes full. But I want to talk about some of the stuff that the true the vote people are, are revealing. Okay. That, yeah, that, that you won't see in other places. So you have this impression, well, maybe I am an election denier. Maybe I don't want to do that. It's like, it's hard to stick to your guns when you're constantly attacked. But I want to play, so this is they run the Charlie Kirk show. And to make a long story short, what they did is they said they had people calling in, they had hotlines, and they kept hearing some of the same stories from different battleground states around the country. And the way it worked was this, they and these were informants and whistleblowers were calling them saying they had a whole clump of people. And they said, this has been going on forever, real not forever, but for a long time. But with the Zuckerberg money, um, it just went on steroids in the 2020 election. So they had a group of Democrat Operatives collecting ballots from all kinds of places, as you said, Chuck, anything from nursing homes to apartment complexes to wherever, right? They would take them to a non-governmental organization funded by Democrats, um, in one case, Stacey Abrams' office. They would bundle them there, and then they would have mules who would then take, it's just like a drug dealer. You don't want to take your whole stash in case you get caught, right? right? So they would take them in clumps, and they would make sometimes 20 trips a day to ballot boxes in states where it was illegal to even to deposit more than one, not even Colorado with 10, but with one. And then they started uh, pinging cell phones, basically. So they're able to figure out, well, what cell phone devices were doing this. And then when they found those people, they were able to get surveillance video and they were actually able to see what was going on and to see these mules. So Thomas, if we could please play mule number one, this is just some surveillance tape from a drop box in a key swing county in Georgia. So if we could see mule number one. Here as we pull this up. Same basic thing. It looks like the same drop box. Everybody, look at all those people doing the right thing. So they're waiting to vote early. In line. Right. Right. So this is a maroon dress woman or is this somebody else? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's. Is that your mule? That's our mule. So this is a mule mm-hmm. in front of everyone. Okay. Look, everybody's sitting there watching like, what? So this What's is happening? right now as she opens it up. Oh, can't figure out open up because they won't fit. Right. Felony at what point? 
after the first right there. one. Now it's a felony. So this is a felon. Three felons at one Dropbox, everybody. <laughs> I want you to think about that. One after the other. In the broad daylight. I mean, now you could also get driver's you know, license plate info and stuff, right? Yes. So she, in broad daylight, while everyone else was watching, just violated Georgia law. Right. What are we looking at here as we... And so what they were saying there, too, is their criteria. This is a mule who had to make at least 20 trips to a, to a drop box, right? I mean, they had people making, I mean, they figure when all is said and done, in any given state, roughly 7% of the ballots cast were trafficked, were, were I, they call right. it trafficking ballots. Okay, and if, then if we can now play, and they kind of talk about this, if we could play the true the vote soundbite too, again, from this Charlie Kirk interview. So here's what here's what we know in Gwinnett County on October the 11th from 7:30 in the morning to October 12th, a Monday morning at 7:30 or so, when they picked up the ballots. Because of the pings, we knew that approximately 270 people went to this ballot box. But according to the uh, to the um, chain of custody, chain of custody document, 1,962 ballots were actually deposited. Then all of a sudden the video shows up and now we get to go in and corroborate it. So we sit there and we watch 24 hours of video. Sure enough, 271 people approach that ballot box. And like I said, 1,962 ballots show up on. But the if you watch the video, did you see people carrying more than? Sure, but not 1,962. Not, not, not where, where would the discrepancy in that be then? We don't know. There's so many Breakdowns so process. Even tell you that story. Well, the, there is a video at the end that might tell part of it. Um, the, at the end of this day, um, there's an interesting intersection between there. There are two people that are charged with going and taking the ballots out of the ballot box and putting them into bags and then taking them wherever they're going. Those are the people. ones who fill out the chain of custody docs. But on this particular day, on this Monday morning. Another person comes out from behind, underneath the camera, walks toward the two that are there, and instead of having it in a, uh, having the ballots in a, um, there was a, in a, blue a rolling cooler. blue yeah. cooler, which was what kind of their norm, uh, they had 1,962 ballots in two black duffel bags. The person whom we don't know who it is comes up, takes the two black duffel bags, and walks away. And gives them a cooler. But who's supervising this? The Secretary of State of Georgia, I guess, is supposed to be, right? Well, one thing thing we we often laughed about was, you know, just unpacking these videos was a challenge in and of itself. And one thing we often laughed about was that it it was clear to us nobody was ever intended to look at these videos. I mean, so that's, that's, look at that. So, Well, May, I I need a favor, hon. Yeah. Could you save that, that, that film? Because as much as I like the true to vote guy, uh, he puts me to sleep. So if some okay. night this week I can't go to sleep, you can play. All right, that. all right. But he's like, but but what I want the information is important. So there were 271 people went there. There should only have been 271 ballots in that Dropbox on that day, and yet there were over 1,900. So that's you know a, a massive number. And it's and the question is how do they get there? And here's the thing. And this is what the problem. Now I think in some of those counties in Georgia and some of the places in Arizona they are investigating. And in fact there have been some indictments. I think. 
But this would not be hard to investigate, right, Chuck? I mean, you just, you find that person. You, fi- you look at the license plate. I saw some of the other mules where they had a license plate. You go ask them, hey, what are you doing? You go to the NGOs where they were bundling the ballots and say, hey, what are you guys doing here, right? I mean, it's not- Well, you could, you could, you could give them the January 6th treatment where you keep them without bail and torture them and <laughs> yeah. everything else. And so yeah. for any of these any of these people who say that there's that you're an election denier, I, I mean, I just say deny well, that. You, the, you know, the key- it is getting a word for somebody. It really is. And, and you're like Karen. Now, everybody knows right. what a Karen is. And, and it's a terrible thing, right? Before you go, uh, privileged white woman. Well, that, that didn't make it, but Karen did. So election denier, that's perfect, you know? I mean, it sounds like you're denying the Holocaust, which is- And the, the media is just so corrupt and not doing their job. They never- you know, they don't ever. They, if you were to, if you were to ask any of those reporters, well, what, what do you mean? What, what is he denying? Number one, what is he denying? And number two, well, what's your, what's your evidence that what he's saying does isn't doesn't have oh, some evidence to support I mean, it? No, they don't care. They don't care. So there's that. Do you want to? The other thing I wanted to talk about is a couple of good pieces of news today. Um, this is kind of funny. Like I think I told you, Chuck. I don't know if I said this. So Dave Williams, who was running against Doug Lamborn, got top line on the ticket. Filed a lawsuit today to change his name on the actual ballot to Dave. Let's go, Brandon Williams. <laughs> now Channel Nine is having a heart attack, but that's great. You know, oh, I hear Karen Cataline. <laughs> Karen, Karen, let's go, Brandon Cataline. Did you unmute yourself there? <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> I'm think- having a grand old time and I accidentally, I'm so sorry. Forgive me. I'll you want to comment? You can comment. Oh no, I'm just enjoying listening. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I like it though. Dave, let's go Brandon. And of course, everyone's having a heart attack. You know, Dick Wadhams is going to have a heart attack about that. Um, you know, um, Chrissy Burton I will say this if I could. Go. Why is it that Dick Wadhams loves losing? All he ever does is uh, direct people to be to play defense and then claims that he's a winner when he, as you pointed out, he hasn't won in decades. And there are people that still listen to him. It, it's astonishing to me that that Republicans want to hold Democrats accountable for their results, and yet they don't hold their own Republicans to results. Oh, I know. I mean, well, we tried and that the assembly, but Karen, we're just horrible, terrible people. You know, it was it's like, I don't know. You know, they're going to freak out about Dave. Let's go. Brandon Williams, you know, <laughs> and I'll say one other thing. If if we cannot ramp up our fight and our fighting spirit based on what we've been watching for the last two years, when's it going to happen? It, right. You know. I am so sick of being told by other conservatives and or Republicans that we have to be reasonable. We, you know, we're reasonable. We have radical communist globalists who want to subjugate our country and us. And if you can't get worked up about that, you can't get worked up about anything. No, no, I agree. Hey, and for this is this is special guest that we're having on Wednesday at three thirty, just for you. A guy has written a book about the origins of the Black Lives Matter Marxist movement, and he's mm. going to be on the show talking about that. Yeah, so That's great. Well, you guys are great. I always love listening to you, and I apologize for That's laughing okay. hysterically. 
<laughs> That's all right. Dave, let's go, Brandon Williams. Speaking of that, it cost, I drive a Subaru, right? That's like seven years old. It cost me. And, and you're running it into the ground, by the and way. And I'm running it into the ground, right. It cost me almost $60 to fill it up today. And that was with the King Supers card discount. So it's, you know, it's again, let's go, Brandon. That's, but, that's Putin's price hike for you. There you go. There you go. Another thing that I wanted to talk about that's good news is uh, a Trump appointed federal judge in Florida got rid of the CDC's mask mandate on um, planes, trains, and buses too. And so what do you think? And she basically said, like, the CDC has no authority to do that. And Well, you know, the authority they were given was back in the 1940s that you could take somebody who'd entered the country with a infectious disease and, and quarantine them, even if they didn't want to be quarantined. Um, and then they so they said, well, how does that allow you to put masks on everybody uh, who is an American? And they go, well, you know, sanitary. <laughs> what's sanitary it's, about it? Having well, a mask of your face is not sanitary, or you you do that with animals, and everyone else, everybody where it's not sanitary nor healthy to wear a mask all the time. But well, and and it was even as I understand it broader than that too, where she was she was number one saying it it wasn't not just not sanitary, but could, that they were citing that it was being used for sanitation. And sure. she's like, you know, maybe if you were like spraying Windex on it and wiping it off for stuff, but not on people's faces. And I think the other thing she mentioned too is okay, well, like you know, you keep extending it, um, and you know, it's such an emergency, you can't have a thirty day hearing. Didn't she also say at some point? Because they just said, well, that's why they haven't followed their own rules, because it's been an emergency. And I think she said, well, it's not an emergency now, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a wonderful ruling. And, and they're all going, you know, every lefty who loves every federal judge who upsets whatever yeah. law there is that, that conservatives like say, how dare he? How dare he act against the popular will of having men? <laughs> well, and you got to wonder, you have the airline industry now. Um, I think they had only extended it till May 3rd. So I think there's a great deal of confusion. I mean, if I'm at the airport right now, I'm taking my mask off and saying the federal right. judge over. I mean, if you're you got to hate this if you're the airlines. But I mean, in a just typical disarray at the Biden administration, what's your prediction? Do you think they're going to appeal it, challenge it, or are they just going to... Well, what 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 happened? The first thing you do is you ask the judge to to um, do a stay on the order, and so you can go up to the Eleventh Circuit. Uh, she'll deny that because yeah, yeah, yeah. there's no effect if you know you keep on delaying it. May third will happen. Uh, then it goes up to the Eleventh Circuit. Um, five or six of the of the twelve judges were appointed by Trump, so. You never know what three-person panel you'll get, but you have a good chance that they'd uphold the the stay. And and moreover, they're they're not likely to grant it. And moreover, if they went up to the Supreme Court, assuming that it is such an important one, Clarence Thomas is the one who would first. And he's I, back now. He's the clerk for, to Clarence Thomas, so I'm uh, feeling he won't do it either. So uh, I think it's the odds that it'll stay. But but you know they it's it's not likely they want to. You know, May 3rd is coming pretty quick anyway. 
Right. That's what I guess, too. They'll probably try to delay and then find some way to have the CDC announce that, OK, we don't have to anymore. Well, um, and same like with Pennsylvania or, or Philadelphia, where they're I think Philadelphia thought they would be the cool kids and make everybody go back to masks. But no one is is following suit around the rest of the country. So that's Democrats not, are insane. That, yeah. Well, and to prove on that. So we wanted to play. I don't know if you guys have seen the video. So yesterday was like the Easter egg thing at the at the White House. And this video it's funny, but it's also sad and it's also alarming of, of Joe Biden. Um, what you're going to see is he's kind of wandering aimlessly around. First, first of all, they do a thing and then he kind of gets up to leave. They're reading little Easter stories and Joe Biden tells him to just sit there. Right. And he's like, oh, OK, just sit here. And then he's kind of wandering around aimlessly. So he wanders over and reporters start asking him questions. And then you see the Easter bunny, the gag bunny come over. <laughs> And like, I mean, it looks up, huh? it's bizarre looking. So Thomas, if we could please play the Easter Bunny video. <laughs> like I was like, I don't know where you go. <laughs> But the bunnies there. So folks were just listening. So what happens is Joe Biden is kind of over by the fence and somebody's asking him about Pakistan. And then the Easter bunny is like, who was one of his aides, actually. It wasn't like a hired Easter bunny, right? Or the real Easter bunny. Well, it looked like Jan Saki. You can see the, yeah, red, was, yeah. the red hair coming out. <laughs> it was one of his aides, like rushes over and isn't, isn't even subtle, just like gets in front of him. I mean, there's another angle where she just like, boom, jumps in front of him and is waving her arms and just like kind of pushing him away. And he kind of wanders over there and then to like, no, come back over here. It's like, I mean, he's the president. He's the president of the United States for Pete's sakes. If he wants to talk to people, I mean, it wasn't the Secret Service rushing him. So it wasn't a security concern. It was just like, oh my God, no, the president's spontaneously talking. It's like, send the Easter bunny who happened to be closest to get him. Do you think, I don't think, you know, you keep reading about people saying they're going to impeach him. I don't think so. I think the Democrats want him in place so they can blame everything on him. They're going to come up with some, you know, new. Democrats want to impeach him. The Republicans probably will. I don't think that's kosher, even, even, even with Joe Biden. You don't think they should, they should do that. Well, you're not going to get two thirds. And so the same garbage that he's against. Oh, well, yes. I mean, I don't think, I think that's a ridiculous use of impeaching whatever, right? right. But but I, I think, though, this is what we've said. We were talking about this before. It's like, why all of a sudden, you know, the, the, the Durham investigation, um, some of the stuff coming out, Hunter Biden, some of this other stuff coming out, um, I think that somewhere along the lines, the powers that be, the guys in the back room who initially made the deal to try to get Joe Biden in, right, have now all decided they're happy to throw Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton under the bus. Well, they had a list of the top 10 candidates um, for it to be the next president, assuming Biden's not there. And there's a pretty dissolutory list. The only one that that isn't awful. That is is Cooper of North Carolina. No one's heard of him. No one's heard of him. I mean, yeah. but, you know that the, the fact that that Pete Buttigieg is the next expected <laughs> president is so pathetic. I mean, he's still figuring out how to breastfeed by then. I mean, yeah, and his kid's two years old. So yeah, yeah. right. Well, you know, one other thing that gender. I. I wanted to talk about, too, was this whole Twitter thing. Can we talk about that for the remaining few minutes? This is interesting, guys. I don't know. 
I don't know enough about this to know if it's technologically accurate or not, but the conservative treehouse, some Sundance, the guy, at the conservative treehouse, this is his theory. And it's interesting. Jack Dorsey, the former CEO of Twitter is jumping in on this too. He is saying that the main reason they're freaking out about the Elon Musk, um, what, what Elon Musk, the attempt to buy Twitter, is that what it would reveal is just how much in cahoots Twitter is with the government. Um, what he says is, is as a business model, when you have a website like that, like say Facebook, you have content that you post, and then which is where you make your advertising revenue and stuff, and then you have user engagement, and that's every time somebody likes it, clicks it, shares it, comments on it, right? And he says this: the user engagement is massively more expensive and grows every time you get a new user than the content. And he says so. Companies like Facebook that have so much more content can offset their user engagement costs and still make money. He says for him at the conservative treehouse, he'll get like ten to fifteen thousand user engagements a month costs him about $4,500 to hire the company to process all of that. He estimates that at Twitter, it's like, what did it say, Chuck? Like $12 billion a year? So roughly yeah, billion dollars a month. Billion dollars a month. They're only making $4 billion a year. So he says the math never was going to add up. And he said the only way that Twitter can be continuing to exist is to be massively subsidized with number one, the technological infrastructure from the U S government. It's the only entity big enough to provide that. And then also some kind of deal. So they're not paying a fair market and his well, theory. You know, all governments have excess capacity because you're always planning for the future. You're also planning for emergency or war or something else. So no matter what the government, they're going to have a lot of excess capacity and what they do with it. We'll make a deal with Twitter, make a deal. The intelligence agencies, three lines down, and Twitter has a board other than Dorsey himself who's resigning and owns 77 shares. That's a yeah. weird word. It's, it's, well, it's all, it's Vanguard, BlackRock. I mean, it's all, yeah, exactly. To emphasize what Chuck said, the, so the board of directors of Twitter, who doesn't, who don't want it to be sold out of the, whatever, millions of shares themselves only own, the entire board only owns 77 shares worth about $3,000. So mm. they have zero financial interest in Twitter at all. And and so what this, I mean, we've earlier, we had the big tech companies were, had announced they were going to be cooperating to get rid of disinformation and hateful things and stuff like that with the government agencies. But I think what, what the Sundance guy is saying is it's been going on all along. I mean, Twitter isn't just a propaganda arm. I mean, it is an official arm of the U.S. government. Feeding and which, is, which is why at least in theory, um, you always go, why can't there be a conservative Twitter? Because they haven't made the deal with the government and they can't, they're always going, well, we can't make this work. <laughs> we're, we're losing money hand over fist. I mean, um, it's, it's, you know, but it does explain to you, said, like you said, and it might explain some of the problems with Truth Social, too. Um, yeah. And my sense is somebody somewhere knows that that's what's going on. I mean, obviously, and, and he's- well, The board it doesn't even know what's going on. And it's just Jack Dorsey and somebody else who made the deal with the CIA. 
Um, well, but somebody's got to, I mean, at some level, somebody at Twitter understands that it, the balance isn't there, right? I mean, how are they? Among two people, you know? How are they? So he's saying if they're paying any kind of market rate for the data processing for this user engagement, it's not workable. Therefore, they must not be paying it. Well, who's going to do that? Well, the only thing is the government. And again, Chuck, like you said, it really explains, well, maybe that's the problem with True Social, why they've yeah, been having such, yeah. and Gab and Parler, all of those. Um, and maybe that's why they always, in the end also to come around and say well i get like duck duck go says okay well we'll censor stuff now um we're gonna yeah, wait out duck, the- duck, go whose whole point is you're not google your whole point is you're gonna appeal to people who want their own privacy and everything else and don't want to be on google and you announce oh yeah we're gonna be just like google i mean that was some ci handler who said hey <laughs> hey you guys play ball well yeah no exactly so i think that's just interesting and something to keep in the back of your mind i don't know I mean, Chuck, what's your sense? I don't understand from a technical point of view how right he is, but it just sort of rings true. I mean, it makes sense the way he explains it. And it just rings true. And like we said before, it it explains to me why I'm sure Lawfare and one of those other Democrat operative things launched this massive push to to cancel Elon Musk. It's like, why are they freaking out so much about it anyway? Yeah. I mean, what's your take on it? My, my take on it is it's it's some kind of crooked lefty deal, just like everything else is in this country. Right. <laughs> well, and Sandra. Lefty deal. And, and that Sundance is one explains why you have no competitors, why you can't simply start up a competitor. Um, and maybe there's other explanations, as you said. I don't know. You don't know. You know uh, as a practical matter, neither does Sundance know, but it does seem to track that. Why, why, how can they? I mean, you know, there's economies of scale sometimes but he's indicating that doesn't really apply here um so i've heard no one kind of go oh, that's ridiculous because a b and c right something's right weird about twitter and facebook and that monopoly to it something's weird about all these people going uh, totally freaking out about elon musk controlling something in which he would just allow anybody to be on it as long as it wasn't you know some- well say i mean i read a comment i kind of agree with too it's like don't necessarily think elon musk is our savior which i agree and that's the kind of thing well, too you to Zuckerberg and all well yeah it couldn't be any worse right i mean it couldn't it couldn't be any worse michael tau sent me an email he got banned from twitter for 12 hours for putting up a post um that had the latest vares the vaccine adverse effects you know statistics right, he right. got banned for putting that up Right. I mean, it's like it's the government's own thing and it was labeled misleading. Right. And it's like he's like, it's your stuff. It's how I was it misleading. So and Sandra here is saying she's on Gab and on a wait list for true social. Sandra, I'm on the wait list for true social, too. It's like I'm at two hundred twelve thousand. My concern with true social, I got to admit, is I haven't moved in the whatever, the month and a half that I've been on it. I'm not sure what's going on there. And you had four hundred thirty eight thousand. Exactly. I'm not sure what the problem is. Um, but the, like Chuck said, this could be it. And Gab, Gab is kind of turning itself into a different thing. You can join Gab and you can have like a premium membership and post live stuff. So Gab has a different uh, business model. But but again, I think it's interesting that Elon Musk or uh, the Sundance is saying, you know, I do this for a living too. And I know what they charge and even getting a deal. This is, you know, this is not a sustainable kind of thing. So, well, it's going to be fun to watch it play out though. It's pretty interesting, right? Cause Elon well, Musk. Yeah, and the government's threatening to stop him. Why, right. why, why is in the government's interest to prevent Elon Musk from, from buying a majority or taking it private? You know, why is that a government concern? 
Right. It's not like there isn't a monopoly, right? It's yeah, not no, a it's not a monopoly. No, no. <laughs> it's not like it's not that. Hey, well, look, that's gonna that's gonna wrap it up for us on this Monday. Um, thank you to everybody for listening. Love all of you guys on Zoom. On Wednesday, we're gonna have um Ash in America, um, great grassroots columnist. Um, late happy and proud to have her at the Glendale Cherry Creek Chronicle now. Um, and then also, as I said, um a, a gentleman, Mike Gonzalez, who's written a book about the origins of the BLM movement, the communist. Marxist origins. And he kind of does some deep diving into where's all the millions of dollars that's been going to Black Lives Matter? Where is it actually going? So yeah, well, we know where some of it's going anyway. Mansions, mansions. All yeah. right. Hey, Chuck, you get back to work at the Chronicle. <laughs> I'll see okay. you later. Everybody, we'll see you on Wednesday. Thank you for listening. Check out Chuck Bye-bye, and everybody.